You're listening to Podcateers. Welcome to episode 301 of Podcateers. We are certainly living in a strange time right now, but we're making the best of it and doing what we can to get through this together. So this week we talk about a really cool way that you can help others if you have access to 3D printing equipment. More info and links about that will be on the website, so make sure to check that out and pass the word on. We talk about the end of March mayhem, including a surprise for everyone that submitted a prediction bracket. There was a hashtag that trended this last week that brought a little Disney magic home to people around the world. Plus, Gavin helps wrap up our talks about the Indiana Jones Adventure Temple of the Forbidden Eye attraction at Disneyland as it celebrates its 25-year anniversary. Remember that you can join the conversation on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Just search for Podcateers or by leaving a comment on the blog post for this episode at podcateers.com slash 301. We'd like to thank FreshBooks for their support in sponsoring this episode. FreshBooks is the easy-to-use invoicing software designed to help freelancers and small business owners like us get organized, save time invoicing, and get paid faster. To try FreshBooks free for 30 days, head over to gofreshbooks.com podcateers. And if they ask, hey, how did you hear about us? Make sure that you say podcateers. Finally, we'd like to send a huge thank you to the FGP Squad, aka our podcast, Fairy Godparents. If you're not familiar with the FGP Squad, they're an awesome group of listeners just like you that help us out with a monthly contribution via Patreon. And it's that support that helped make these episodes of Podcateers possible. For more info on how you can become part of the FGP Squad family, head over to podcateers.com FGP. And of course, I'd like to send a huge thank you to all of the members of the FGP Squad for their continued support. Uh, oh, and FGP Squad, make sure to check out Patreon for a very special giveaway just for you. So let's continue to support and be kind to one another as we push through everything that's going on, and let's kick off this episode. Here is episode 301 of Podcateers. I was starting to wonder what kind of Mickey Mouse operation we're running here. <laughs> oh, but <ba-dum. laughs> <laughs> it's been a, a week, hasn't it? It's been a long it week. It has yeah. been the most surreal week of my entire life, I think. This mm-hmm. is a strange, strange time. How, how's the apocalypse going for you guys? It's It's been weird for me so far. Yeah, weird, I think, is the simplest way, way to put it. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't know about you guys, but I've been working from home this week, and that's a new experience for me. Um, we do like video meetings with my coworkers, and mm-hmm. then I'm here in my little art studio taking client calls for my work. It's really weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> we're doing the same having Microsoft team meetings, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of the, the posh version of Skype. Right. It's exactly <laughs> the same back end. They, I mean, it is what it is, but yeah. yeah, I mean, working from home, trying to balance everything out, 
having the kids at home has been super difficult because they don't see it as what it is. You know, they understand that they have to wash their hands. They understand that stuff is going on, but they don't understand the severity. And so to them, it's just this extended spring break. They think that every day is a weekend day. And so we have to sit down and have a serious talk about putting them on a schedule and making sure that they do homework from this time to this time. They're only allowed to do these things from this time to this time. And I broke it down for them. I said, look, guys, when you go to school, you start at a certain time and then you go to recess. You go back, you work on something else for a couple hours and then you go to lunch, you know, Mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. And that's a schedule that you follow every single day. You got to do that here, too. Yeah. And. I remember talking to a couple of people about this that, you know, this is our new norm for the next several weeks, if not months. And once you finally get to the point where you realize and you accept that this is going to be our norm for X amount of time, Mm -hmm. it helps you ease into it a little bit more. Sure. Uh, Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you get cabin fever, Right. You can't sit around and drive yourself nuts over something that you cannot control. And that's something that I've been, you know, talking about for the last few weeks. I've really stressed to several people that you can't you can't undermine the severity of what's happening. You have to treat it for the seriousness uh, of of what it is. But at the same time, you also can't panic because when you panic, you just go crazy. And the last thing you need, especially when you have little ones around or when you have uh, older folks that you have to take care of, it's not helpful. You know, you have to try to maintain yourself and compose yourself as best as possible. I understand that sometimes it's difficult. Uh, Obviously this has escalated very quickly than we were in the last couple of weeks you know it here in california the suggestions to mandates happened within a day or two you know and Mm -hmm. it was just extremely uh, intense how everybody was banding together and working together to make things happen at least for us like at work right like we've never been in a situation where we've had to do something like that And, you know, ITS was moving through tickets, assigning, you know, remote equipment for people and getting them ready and gaining access for people. And I mean, you know, anybody that's working in a position right now that's in a service position, Mm -hmm. like for food, doing deliveries in an IT position that's facilitating something like this for us to be able to work from home, to take us out of harm's reach, all of those service positions, dude, I want to applaud them and thank them for all of their hard work, especially in the last week, because again, I don't think our country, nay the world (laughs) has seen anything like this before. And the fact that yes, there are people that, uh, you know, are buying up all the toilet paper. And I still don't have any. But you also see that there's a lot of people banding together. And one of the projects that I saw this last week that really uh, hit close to home was 
that there's several programs out there that are making sure that students that relied on getting their lunches from school or breakfast, mm -hmm. that they're still able to go curbside. They're able to go to the school district and pick up a box lunch so that they don't mm -hmm. have to go hungry. Yeah. And that to me, I mean, I can't even begin to tell you how much that effort warmed my heart. There's a couple of different ones that I'm going to work on posting on the blog post for this episode if you have the means to help. You know, some of them use text messages to donate a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, whatever the case is. Uh, but if you're in a situation where you're still working, you have the ability to pitch in a couple bucks to help out these efforts, it would just be fantastic because, uh, you know, sometimes these times bring out the ugly side in people, but I also believe yeah. that it brings out a wonderful side in people where it shows a camaraderie and it shows humanity for what we truly are. And that yeah. is good overall. Yep. You know, people tend to concentrate on, on the bad eggs, so to speak, but mm -hmm. I want to be a serial optimist and I want to be able to say that as a whole humanity is good and we will get through this together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been yep. interesting because I think, uh, most of my initial fears were less to do with the virus and more to do with people's reaction um, to all these ideas of quarantine and possible scarcity and things like that. And I was more afraid of, you know, just people than anything. And yeah, it's been interesting to watch because I feel like for the most part, it's been a more unifying event than a chaotic or anarchic event you know i feel like when the where this could have turned into you know looting and you know real you know bad news at at retail outlets uh it hasn't been and that's been nice to see and you know it's really cool to see how you know people that have the ability to help are trying to help and um, do what they can. I know that um, I don't have a whole lot of details, but the company I work for, Matter Hackers, uh, you know, we're in the additive manufacturing uh, space, uh, selling 3D printers and, and things of that nature. And we have a huge network of clients that are in the medical field, but then also in various types of manufacturing. And mm -hmm. we just launched a big hub this weekend that we're gonna be promoting this week. Um, to kind of get people who have resources to make medical devices or pieces of medical devices at home or at their business because they have 3D printers, matching them up with medical entities who need those things, who can't get oh, it from wow. other venues. That's fantastic. Um, so yeah, it's this really cool thing that we're trying to do because we're like the center part of a network and uh, we're just trying to leverage that information and get the right people talking to each other so that um, more of this can happen. You know, there's lots of people that are already printing masks or parts of masks um, mm -hmm. for themselves and for uh, healthcare workers. And, uh, you know, the more we can get that happening, the, you know, the better off the planet can be. Is there some kind of website where people can sign up for that? Or yeah, or yeah, it's a registration okay. thing. We can include it in the the blog post. I will um, send you the link. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. I think. Right for, I mean, I know that there's a lot of cosplayers that have 3D printing oh, yeah. technology mm -hmm. because they build a lot of their cosplays strictly 
or, or the, the a large percentage of it is 3D printed, yeah. especially when they have these elaborate suits, right? Yeah. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, the more we can spread the word for people to help out like that, I think it's mm -hmm. going to be uh, fantastic. It, it's funny because I talked to Mel last week about going to the park last <laughs> yeah. weekend, you know, and I thought, you know what? I've been working super hard. I'm going to take a day off. I'm going to go watch the new parade, enjoy a Disney yeah. day, sit down and soak it in. And then the park closed. Yeah. And I thought, okay, I, I get it. You know, you can't have more than 50 people or more. I, I totally understandable. No problem. I'm going to go right. watch Onward. And then all of our movie theaters <laughs> in the area closed. And, and yeah. so I thought to myself, okay, well, we'll find something else to do. Then we got the announcement that several films from Universal, Disney, um, they were going to be released – as video on demand yeah. onward being one of those titles onwards only been in the in the theaters for about two weeks it's being released as video on demand for 19.99 to purchase a digital version of it you can't rent it right now and then it's coming to disney plus on april 3rd mm. i think this is great for anybody that didn't have the opportunity to go see it. I actually considered purchasing it, but I think I've talked to you guys before about how I'm all about having the physical copy. I love yeah. having the physical Blu-ray. Yeah. And so I'm going to wait for the Blu-ray to arrive to purchase it and then get my digital copy. Yeah, so I'm at this point, I'm basically going to wait for April 3rd to watch it on Disney+. Plus. You know, one thing that... I was concerned about with this film is first of all, I've heard nothing but good things about it. Oh, you know, I heard yeah. you and Josh talk about it on animation station. Yeah. And I, I was super excited to go watch it. My concern is that when you go to a movie theater, you're spending approximately 12 to $24 to go watch a film. And so the large majority of the money that these studios make is from ticket sales and basically distributing it to all of these movie theaters mm -hmm. because of what's happening you know perspective of this film might turn out to be in the future that it was quote-unquote a flop because yeah. it didn't make the money that other films have made tell me how you feel about that yeah i've had the same thought but i i feel like there has to be some sort of asterisk in the record books right next yeah. next to the, all the movies that are in theater right now you know some of them are lucky they they are were supposed to come out this week or next week and they got to say okay we're gonna wait and you know i thought initially that maybe onward they would re-release later but it, you know based on what they've announced their plans are i doubt they're gonna do that uh, but, you know, I think people will look back and I mean, people are going to remember this time for a long time, you know, many years to come. Yep. We're going to know that the spring of 2020 was this crazy time and they shut the theaters down. So knowing that it came out then, I think people will realize. Uh, and since they're going to put it out so soon on Disney Plus, I think a lot of people will still get to watch it and appreciate it. And that will inform their opinion of it more than mm -hmm. the box office number, I think, at least I hope, because it is one of my favorite Pixar films. It surprised the heck out of me, and it is so good, and I hope everybody gets a chance to see it. And, yeah, it, it, was, it was freaking fantastic. See, that's what I was wondering. I was wondering if they were going to put, like, the asterisk that you just mm -hmm. said, because it's not fair. It's not fair to the film if they deemed it a flop i mean it's this is something out of our control but 
I'm curious for April 3rd because who knows? This may be that number one movie that's streaming and we'll see like an influx of popularity and whatnot. So, I mean, I'm hoping that carries on to the film and mm-hmm. it's, I, I guess it's history per se or it's legacy. Yeah. Yeah. It's something like that. So, um, I'm actually just excited for April 3rd. I wish I could own the film, but I can't because of means <laughs> right now. <laughs> well, I'm just excited for April 3rd for you guys to get to see it because it yeah. is it's so good, man. Like the, the two most recent films from Disney and Pixar being Frozen 2. I mean, I guess technically mm-hmm. Spies in Disguise as well. Um, and um, Onward, like just they're so they're all so freaking good. Like to me they're all just top-notch films. So they're they're just hitting on all cylinders right now. And mm-hmm. I just, I want everybody to be able to watch all of these movies. And I can't wait for April 3rd because of that. It's it's <laughs> the next step in Pixar's progress. And it it's so, so good. Even, awesome. even if they can't see the movie yet, go listen to the soundtrack. Yeah. It's really good. Mm-hmm. It's really good. It gives me Guardians. I can see that. I can see that. Uh, yeah. Is it different artists for it? Well, no, it's not actual like pop songs or rock oh, okay. songs. It's like uh, they wrote a score that like mimics, you know, classic yeah. sounds. But it's it's all original. Yeah. That's very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sure that at some point, like you said, there's going to be a snapshot of this time frame, you know, from when it was released to what it made video on demand and somehow there's going to be a way to adjust for the the loss in the markets and how much it would have made had it been out and they're going to account for the views versus you know and there's going to yeah. be some kind of equation that's going to give us a representation that will make it look like it made the money that it should have made yeah. out in the movie theater but yeah I'm looking forward to it. Uh, again, I've heard nothing but really good things about it. And uh, I'm glad that e- even though, you know, things are closing, people are, are you know, secluded to their homes right now. They're, you know, there's things to do. You know, mm-hmm. I, I know that Disney has made an effort not only to help us get through all of this as spectators, but... Uh, I was really happy to see that through at least the announced closing, which was going to be like April or May, uh, I'm sorry, through the end of March, they've decided to continue paying cast members. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they continue yeah. that policy and hopefully they continue paying cast members. We know a lot of cast members and a lot of them work paycheck to paycheck, you know, yeah. and not getting one of those paychecks is a difference between eating getting gas paying your rent or whatever and Mm -hmm. it's not just at disney it's everywhere and so the fact that all of these companies are working to somehow continue payments uh working out structures where they can work from home like we talked about earlier again it's humanity banding together as best as possible and uh again we we talk about the ugly side a lot it's what we see in the news all the time but Overall, again, I just want to believe people are good, you know, and and I want to continue believing that. Speaking of good for a lot of spectators, we're going to pivot hard on this (laughs) because 
March mayhem ended this last week. Oh boy! Oh boy! This, this look, I this has been the longest gap of me not being on the show in a while, and like I haven't been able to talk about March mayhem at all on the show. So mm-hmm. I, I've been listening to you guys give recaps every week, and I'm dying, man. Like this, this crazy, crazy tournament that we do every year, it always shocks the heck out of me, man. Like mm-hmm. I, how. I never would have predicted Moana in the final in for the championship right? Mm-hmm. ever, right? Um, I mean, there was a lot of things in there that I thought uh, were, I, I felt like were maybe a little surprising, but pretty much uh, I expected. I didn't see a whole lot of surprises until um, I saw Moana just keep going and going and going and going and then beating Snow White. Come on. What? Yeah. How does that happen? <laughs> um, but I was actually pretty pleased with the ultimate winner. Um, and, I, you know, I thought that was that was pretty good. I, th- I picked um, Lion King to beat Aladdin in the first round. And I think if it had, I think it probably would have made it all the way to the uh, final, just like Aladdin did. But um, I- I'm pretty pleased with Aladdin coming in strong at the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I I was wondering while the tournament was going on if there was any correlation to the voting process for people that may have seen the animated feature but focused their vote more on how they felt about the live action one. Oh, that's and interesting. And the reason I thought that is because when you look at the bracket, I thought that one of the original princesses was going to win, right? Either I Snow did. White, yeah. Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty. You know, there's a legacy that these bring with them that I really felt was going to bring it all the way home. However, we're in an era where we are empowering women. And Moana is one of those films. Moana and Princess and the Frog, I think, were two very wonderful examples of how you want to put that forward. Right. And so I started to Mm -hmm. wonder, are we going to see what we consider an underdog in most cases, take it home because of that message of empowerment? And I thought, man, that's going to be super cool to see if Moana takes this entire thing. Yeah. And then I thought, well, Aladdin made it to the end. But in the animated film, it's more about the genie and Aladdin's relationship. But in the live action one, mm-hmm. it's more about Jasmine's journey. Yeah. And I thought, yeah. how many people's votes may have been influenced and brought her to the top to make it Jasmine versus Moana? That's true. But on that same note, though, I was surprised that Frozen didn't win because of that in the very first matchup. It lost to Princess and the Frog. And I was surprised by that. I really thought frozen was going to beat princess and the frog that's why i seeded it as the top movie in that quarter of the bracket um because just based on its sheer popularity uh i really thought it would win so i thought of that one too and the only conclusion i could come to whether this makes sense or not is that pretty much everything else in there with the exception of maybe like zootopia Mm -hmm. is animated and those are more 3d than anything else so they're, you know, they're they're not really in. I, I know that it was yeah, I, an I era challenge. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, I think it was mm-hmm. more to do with the age brackets of our listeners, because I think mm. we have uh, most of our listeners. I feel are in the age range of all of us, 
and Mm -hmm. the frozen popularity skews to a younger demographic. And I I think that's a bigger reason. That's just pure speculation on my part. I, I, I may be totally off base. I don't know everybody who voted, but I feel like most of the people that interact regularly with the show are in our age range, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. to me, that was more of an indicator. But I was still surprised, especially since how popular Frozen 2 has been, uh, which is an incredible film. I think it's Disney's most beautiful film in years. It's so gorgeous. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I was just surprised by that. That was probably my biggest surprise of the whole tournament. Yeah. Well, we just want to take a moment to thank everybody that took the time to join yeah. us on a daily basis to vote through March Mayhem. You know, the last few years that we've done this, we've just had so much fun. Mm-hmm. This might be my favorite bracket of all the ones that we've done so far. You know, we did it Disney really characters cool. and attractions. And yes, even though Haunted Mansion won the attractions one, <laughs> I feel like this one was more intense. I, I feel too. like it there was. was more emotion. It was a generational battle and it, anyone could have taken it. Like any mm-hmm. film on that bracket was good enough to take this entire tournament. Yeah. And Aladdin ended up taking the entire thing. <laughs> so again, we just want to thank everybody for their participation. We have a surprise for all of you that had the opportunity to submit a bracket and uh, go through this entire process with us. Uh, Gavin, tell them what they could win. Yeah, so we're gonna take all of the people's brackets for the for the folks that turned brackets into us. Uh, we're gonna score them, and the person who got the best score uh, on their bracket according to how this tournament played out is going to win a print uh, from me. And it is my latest um, Disney-themed print, and it is called The Oasis, and it is an Aladdin-themed print. So it's perfect for this competition. Uh, It features (laughs) Genie, Aladdin, and Abu flying into the Oasis on the magic carpet. If you want to check it out, you can go to my Instagram, Gavin Audison Art. But uh, we will calculate the winner and notify you, and um, you can just um, send me your address once you're notified, and I will mail it off to you. And once we figure nice. out the winner and we contact them, obviously we'll post it on Instagram so oh, you yeah. know Definitely. who won. But yeah, once again, thank you everybody for just participating. We love listening to you. We love talking to you. We loved your comments. Uh, we yeah. love seeing your brackets when everybody was posting them as your predictions. So yeah, we, we talked about doing this again as a form of doing something so people don't lose their minds um do you think we have enough to do another one like march mayhem in april well i was thinking we could do yeah because we could do like what april anarchy or something uh i mean we could call it the same thing but you know how the guardians (laughs) of the galaxy volume 2 logo has like the volume 2 in red at the bottom yeah yeah, we could do march mayhem in april uh there you go i mean yeah we could do something uh there's certainly enough films left we only use 16 films and there's like 60 now so there's a lot of films uh left we could do you know an underdog bracket or something like that yes get films like uh meet the robinsons on there and 
Yes. Maybe even like home on the range or something. <laughs> yes. Well, I know that there's going to be some people when they see that film that they connect with that's an underdog and yeah. it's not in the brackets. They're like, well, what about mine? Yeah, of course. I mean, there were some that I really wanted in this bracket that I just couldn't justify putting on there. You know, films like Robin Hood, uh, Sword in oh, the yeah. Stone. Uh, 101 Dalmatians. Like, there's some great films left that we didn't get on this list. So, yeah, I'm sure we could come up with something. I don't know that we would have enough from certain eras to really make it work. But Maybe. there's more. There's a lot more in the millennium era that, that can go in there for sure. Yeah. Well, let's talk about this after the podcast. And if okay. we can figure out a full bracket again, we'll do March Mayhem in April. Yeah. You know, awesome. I love my brackets. All right. <laughs> I'm excited about this. Uh, okay. So we have more show coming up. We're going to be talking about one of the trending hashtags this last week that kind of uh, <laughs> broke Twitter or Diz Twitter, as many of you know it. And we're going to be talking about Indiana Jones and the history of the attraction coming up right after this. Today's episode is brought to you with support from FreshBooks. You know, many years ago, I started doing some freelance work, taking photos for businesses, realtors, engagement sessions, and family photos. One thing that I always struggled with, though, was finding a good solution for invoicing, and that's where FreshBooks came in. FreshBooks is the easy-to-use invoicing software designed to help freelancers and small business owners get organized, save time invoicing, and get paid faster. They offer super simple solutions that let you create and send professional looking invoices in seconds. On top of that, FreshBooks offers great ways to track time worked, create estimates and quotes. You can run reports to see how you're doing, process payments, and if you ever have any questions, their award-winning support team is there to help. If you're always on the move, don't worry. FreshBooks also has easy to use mobile apps for iOS and Android. Getting started with FreshBooks is extremely simple. You can try it free for 30 days by going to gofreshbooks.com slash You can also find a link in the post for this episode on our website. Also, make sure to enter Podketeers if they ask you how did you hear about us. If you're looking for a way to help your business grow, help you with invoicing and billing, get organized and more, FreshBooks is there to help. So give it a shot and check out some of the great features that FreshBooks has to offer. That link again is gofreshbooks.com slash podcateers. It's time to get back to the show, but we'd like to thank FreshBooks for their support. All right, we want to thank the sponsor of this episode. Thank you again to FreshBooks for their support in helping this episode happen. Uh, hashtag homemade Disney was yeah. trending on Twitter this last week, and I gotta tell you, I love <laughs> every second of each of those videos. Yeah, yeah, it's a whole lot of fun. It's something that sprang out of nothingness and is providing a little bit of magic that a lot of us are missing right now. Yeah, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, yeah, all the creativity. Love it. Yep. I am like eating every second. It's so good. What are some of the good ones <laughs> that you guys have seen? Indie, Splash, Space, Test Track. Wow, I haven't seen any of the those. The Winnie the Pooh one was really good. Yeah, though. Winnie the Pooh. The Pirates of the Caribbean, I think, was the one that mm -hmm. sparked everything. Or oh. at least that's the one that gained the most traction. Okay. And then from yeah. there, people posted, I think, the Winnie the Pooh. And then I saw Splash Mountain. No, I saw Indie next. Saw Splash after. 
And, and then they just kept coming. <laughs> see, I'm not on Twitter, so they have to be like reposted somewhere else for me to see them. Um, so Charlie has shown me a couple off of Instagram, and I, I think I've seen just a few. I've seen Soren, which was hilarious oh, yeah. because she put her feet up in front of the screen and like kicked her <laughs> nice. feet, right? It was awesome. Uh, and then um, the same person did a really good Haunted Mansion one. I haven't nice. seen the Haunted Mansion oh, one. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. It's really good. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now I got to go look for it. <laughs> so if you have the opportunity, do a search for the hashtag homemade Disney. These videos are super creative. Again, it's just a little bit of creativity and a little bit of Disney magic from people across the U.S., maybe even around the world, that are creating these attractions in their living rooms, in their yeah. homes, just to pass <laughs> the time. You know, some of the detail that goes into some of these, I just think is super fantastic. Yeah. If any of them are posted on Instagram, it's easier for us to repost them. So if we find any, we're going to post them in the blog post for the episode. Head over to podcasters.com slash 301 in order to check those out. And if not, we'll post some of the tweets that we saw on Twitter so you can go over to Twitter and check them out there. Uh, okay, so I don't think you have your own homemade Disney, Gavin, of Indiana Jones. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> uh, I think you have some information about the history of the attraction. Last week, we had Mel give us a, a rundown through memory lane of all the films of Indiana Jones just recapping what each film entailed. And now Gavin is going to bring that home back to the parks at Disneyland. Talk about the attractions. Take it away, dude. All right. Yeah. After listening to last week's episode, um, I remember Hazen, you were saying, you know, that recap was great and it just makes me want to rewatch the movies. Uh, well, I did this weekend uh, because it got me excited, too. Not that I need <laughs> a, a big excuse to watch my favorite film franchise, but I watched... You mean Crystal Skull? Uh, wait, there's a fourth <laughs> Indian movie? <laughs> oh, see, I got the box set and there was like a fourth disc, but I thought it was just like a drink coaster. Is oh, It's a movie? Interesting. <laughs> Oh, I, it must was have, I must have blocked that out. You, yeah. Hmm, yeah, interesting. <laughs> interesting. See, I'm I'm not alone. <laughs> <laughs> no, that the the original trilogy of Indiana Jones movies is my favorite film franchise. Raiders of the Lost Ark is pretty much my favorite film of all time. So uh I loved listening to those recaps and it got me so pumped that I rewatched all of them yesterday. I just had a marathon in my studio. It was awesome. Nice. Um, but, uh, like so many people, I am missing the park like crazy. And mm -hmm. one of my all time favorite attractions is the Indiana Jones adventure. So I'm happy to geek out about that attraction today. All right, here we go. <laughs> that was a clip from John Williams original demo of the Indiana Jones theme. <laughs> When he was squeezing chickens to yeah. get the theme that he wanted. Well, that's how he starts. You know, he just builds a melody with with chickens. And no, then, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's in the direct lineage of tradition, musical tradition, like down from Beethoven or something. Oh yeah, that tracks. Yeah, yeah chicken harmonics, right? Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. That's why Gonzo does it on Muppet Babies. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Guys, I think we're all going <laughs> cabin crazy right now. <laughs> we're going nuts. All right. Indiana Jones Adventure. Let's go. For real. All right. Uh, so the Indiana Jones Adventure. 
is one of the most amazing attractions in the world. It opened on March 3rd, 1995. That's why we've been talking about Indiana Jones this month, because it is the 25th anniversary of that attraction. It's really hard to believe that something so spectacular is already 25 years old. Um, mm-hmm. It has aged very well. Uh, so as a part of Disneyland's Ruby anniversary, which is the 40th, Uh, The Indiana Jones adventure was added to the long list of game-changing e-ticket attractions at the park. It was the fourth time that George Lucas uh, and Imagineering collaborated on an attraction, um, and it brought themed attractions to an entirely new level. Uh, It was introduced to the world in a one-hour television special uh, called 40 Years of Adventure, which was kind of a general Disneyland's 40th uh, spectacular. And then later it had its own half hour special called the Indiana Jones Adventure. And it actually featured Carrie Allen and John Reese davies reprising their roles as their characters. Based on those two television specials and the early acclaim of the attraction, it quickly became a sensation and drew the biggest crowds since the opening of a previous George Lucas attraction, Star Tours. Uh, I remember being there the summer that this attraction opened and the lines for Indiana Jones went Mm -hmm. down Main Street. I was there. I was a witness to this. I, (laughs) I promise you it's true. It is the reason that I saw the Lion King parade because I was on Main Street in line for Indiana Jones when the Lion King parade came down Main Street. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been there watching that parade. Uh, it was incredible. I think we stood in line for something like four and a half hours. It was crazy. Yeah, it was, it was insane. And in those days they let the queue go all the way through. They didn't like space it out, you know, like they do now. They don't keep the entire crowd, uh, inside the building. You know, they let, let that gap happen Mm -hmm. back then. They, you know, you would just inch your way through the whole queue. Uh, but we'll get to the queue in a minute. So the attraction was worked on by 400 plus Imagineers, and it was led by Tony Baxter, the legend himself. Uh, They broke ground in August of 1993, so they built it in less than two years. It is a truly massive attraction with a queue that is a half mile long and a 50,000 square foot show building. It's so big that the Jungle Cruise, the monorail, and part of the Eeyore parking lot all had to be moved or modified to make room for it. It was the most expensive Disneyland attraction to date with an estimated cost of over $100 million. So, and that's $100 million in that time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's, if, if you're keeping track, kids, that's six times as much money as it cost to build the entire park in 1955. So lots of dollars. Uh, and interestingly enough, that was actually pared down from the original concept version of the attraction, which actually came out of the mid 1980s, uh, on the back of the, the first two films and their popularity. Um, and you know, once the star tours plans were kind of complete, they wanted to move to Indy and the original concepts were closer to a new land than a new attraction. They had several experiences that they wanted to do. 
but because of physical restraints and budgetary restraints, it was it was initially or ultimately distilled into the attraction that we know today, which kind of combines a lot of those features. One of the features was going to be a walkthrough labyrinth type experience, and that basically became the queue. So uh, we kind of have those early ideas to thank for one of the greatest cues that Disney has ever brought to us, uh, which mm-hmm. I, I enjoy every time I go through it. So yep. that's where we'll start. We'll start with the queue. Uh, the Indiana Jones adventure begins as soon as you enter the queue. The story is set in the jungles of India in 1935, and the theming throughout helps reinforce the era and the character of Indiana Jones. The queue is one of the first fully themed queues uh, in Disney attraction history, and it features over 1,300 different props. The portion of the queue that is outside the Temple of the Forbidden Eye is a spectacularly themed area, featuring the facade of the temple itself, in front of which is a large colonnade of pillars with capitals of huge carved snakes. It is surrounded by thick jungle all around, and to one side is a camp and areas for archaeological study of artifacts removed from the temple. So once you kind of get just in, like outside the main road of, in, of Adventureland and into the queue, you're kind of already surrounded in this story and you can almost not see anything outside of it already. So you're, you're already in it. You know, it's so yeah. glorious. I love it. Um, the first kind of interesting thing to note in this outdoor area is a little Easter egg from one of the movies. It's actually a big Easter egg and it's this giant, uh, German Mercedes patrol truck that's sitting out there, which is actually a truck used in Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is so awesome that they've got a real prop sitting right there. It's a neat little piece of movie trivia. So uh, once you kind of wind your way through this little colonnade, uh, you're taken up a ramp, which um, takes guests safely around the crumbling steps at the entrance of the temple. And the first thing you see once you enter is this large wall painting of Mara. And Mara is the deity of this temple. And, um, you know, it's it's the the power that. Uh, makes everything happen that happens as you experience this uh, this temple. But I love that painting when you walk in there. It's such a beautiful touch because not only is it spectacularly rendered, it has the incredible theming of aging and patina, and it looks like it's been there for two thousand years. You know, like yeah. like the story is telling us. Uh, it's very very well done. It really helps set the mood that you're actually inside of this temple. Yeah, it, it really does. I mean, this, this to me is where they hit a new level of theming. Um, and it, uh, it, it shows in every detail. So after this point, when you see this very first little room, along the way, guests will notice that there are petroglyphs along many of the walls. Uh, you know, some people refer to them as maraglyphs, and <laughs> they're written in Marabic. Uh, but it's basically this um, set of petroglyphs, this petroglyphic alphabet that mirrors our alphabet. And um, in those initial months of the attraction's opening, they actually handed out 
these little babies, these little decoder cards. I have my original one here from 1995. Yeah, that's pretty beat up, it's man. It's in bad shape. I, I carried it in my wallet for probably 15 years. Like, this this went everywhere with me. You know um, what makes it official? Laminating it. Yeah, I should laminate it, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's got the original sponsor on the back, which was AT&T. They sponsored the attraction for the first seven years. Um, the coolest thing about the alphabet is that... Um, they all generally look like their um, English alphabet counterparts, except uh, for the I, which actually yeah. looks like an I, yeah. which is kind of a nod to the I of Mara, which is kind of cool. I love that. Yeah, very I cool. I love that. Anyway, so petroglyphs throughout, which you can decode if you're lucky enough to have one of these decoder cards. I never actually got one, so Aww. and if, if I did, I don't know where it is. Yeah. So, yeah, it's okay. All right, so the first room you come to with petroglyphs on it is this circular room with the obelisk in the center, and it kind of the queue forces you to go around this obelisk. Uh, there's a couple of interesting things around in this room, the first of it being the obelisk itself, which mm-hmm. is uh, commonly referred to as the obelisk of doom, uh, okay. because on each side of it are carved foreboding omens of what, you know, you can expect in the future if you keep proceeding through this temple, including giant snakes, spikes, rats, and flames of fire. Why does it always have to be snakes? Right? (laughs) The other cool thing about this room, and I learned this recently when Mel got to do that cool tour of the attraction, but there are random little um, sections of petroglyphs in this room, and they're actually the initials of key people who worked on the attraction, including Tony Baxter. I thought that was yeah. a really cool secret that I never knew of before she got to do that tour. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> so a few more twists and turns take guests into an area that's full of defensive booby traps that were built into the temple to protect its treasures. Uh, so the first corridor that you come to is one that has floor spikes and ceiling spikes. And this is very reminiscent of Temple of Doom. And yep. uh, if it's triggered um, by you know making the wrong move, touching the wrong thing in there, uh, the ceiling could descend and both impale and crush you. And there's evidence of this happening in the past <laughs> by all this, the impaled skeletons around you. Um, it's awesome. I love it. <laughs> uh, this is one of the things that I'm hoping that they can kind of update and fix up with the current refurbishment because it's kind of been in a little bit Mm -hmm. of uh, disrepair uh, in recent years. Following that is a section where there are large stone blocks suspended above you. And if you step on one of the diamond shaped trigger stones, one of these blocks will crush you Mm -hmm. to death. And thankfully, it looks like Indy has preceded us and shored up all of these blocks with planks of wood, with shims that he's shoved in there to kind of hold them in place. So we're safe, but uh, I don't think you can be too careful. So every time I go through, I avoid the diamond-shaped stones. And I encourage you all to do so, lest you be crushed. Man, that Indy, what a stellar guy. Right? He's so thoughtful. He is. (laughs) (laughs) What a guy. So if you make it through those sections safely, uh, you'll come to a large circular room, a rotunda-like room with a domed ceiling that's painted. Uh, It depicts Mara and supplicants that have benefited from the deity's benevolence. Uh, to me, this is one of the most impressively themed yeah. rooms in any Disney queue. And 
almost any Disney attraction. It is a beautiful room. And the cool thing about it is the queue allows you to kind of snake through it. So you get to see it from all Mm -hmm. angles and really experience the room. Uh, You get to see uh, the scaffolding that has gone up by the archaeological crew. And you get to see some of what they're working on. And you just get to see the 360 view of the room itself uh, with lots of cool details like um, crumbling aging effects and tree roots coming in from the ceiling, uh, really kind of making it feel like it's super old and like it has been rediscovered for the first time in thousands of years. Uh, in the center is like a uh, some sort of like a well and there's somebody working down there and there's a rope that, um, you know, decent people don't touch because there's a sign that says don't touch. <laughs> uh, but if you do, you might shake loose an architect and he might be angry at you. Uh, it, it's really cool how they made this interactive. You know, it's it's the first cue that I was aware of that was interactive. I don't know if any other cues predate it that had real interactivity, but it, to me, this is the first one that I ever experienced. So to me, it's yeah. it's still my first love as far as cues go. It's interesting to note that at this point in the queue, guests have already walked to the back of Adventureland, under the railroad tracks on the berm, and are now in a show building between the park and the tram loading area. So like Pirates of the Caribbean in the waterfalls and the, and the boat ride through mm-hmm. the caves, and like Haunted Mansion, in the lift room and the uh, walk through the portrait gallery, um, we've exited the park into a showroom outside the berm. Uh, this one is a longer journey, but um, a more exciting one, I think. Uh, this queue is just epic. So after the, the rotunda room, you come into a chamber with a barrel vault where a projector and movie screen have been rigged up to provide guests with some important information about their journey through the temple. And who's giving us this information? None other than our favorite pal, Sala, from the films. (laughs) And I love John Rhys-Davies, and I love his character and the, the kind of boisterousness and warmth that he brought to that character. And, you know, he spares none of that for this film. It's it, it adds so much to this storytelling that he is there telling us. And, you know, he's worried about his friend Indy, who's gone into the temple and not come back out. And uh, they've they've also populated it with newsreels of the day, which have been so well created. They just feel like they're right out of the movie houses of the 1930s. And those classic newsreels we would see back, th- uh, you know, from back then. Uh, I, I, just, I love those newsreels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are my favorite part of that. It's so cool. It's kind of a weird spot where they kind of hold you for a second. So it's nice to have that thing going for something to kind of look yeah. at and watch. Um, there is another Easter egg in this area. And I personally only recently became aware of it myself. And I, because I haven't been to the park since I found out about it, I haven't been able to see it myself, but I'm told that there is an Eeyore icon from the old Eeyore yes. parking lot up in the scaffolding area. In the, in mm-hmm. the rafter scaffolding Yeah, area. and I haven't seen it, but I'm also told that if you ask a cast member, they will kindly shine their spotlight up there so it's illuminated so you can see it because it's kind of yeah. back in the shadows, yeah. as I understand. So keep an eye out for Eeyore up there, which is cool. I like when they do that. Uh, that's why I'm, I'm really hoping Flick will be in the Ant-Man thing at uh, Marvel Avengers thing. 
Uh, Avengers Campus. <laughs> Avengers Campus, that's it. Sorry. <clears throat> I still call it Star Wars Land, I too. I stayed so. quiet on that one. <laughs> uh, it is Avengers Campus. Avengers sir. Land, got it. Okay. I would have still accepted Stark Park, <laughs> Stark Park. but it is Avengers Campus. <laughs> uh, Which, by the way, I haven't really told anybody. Uh, I haven't posted any of this concept art or anything, mm-hmm. but... Uh, before everything got shut down, I started working on three new shirt designs because when I, I go to the park, I wanted to represent mm-hmm. nice. with yeah. very Marvel-inspired T-shirts. And I had three new designs that I may give people a sneak peek on Instagram, maybe this week, uh, inspired by three of my favorite uh, franchises in the Marvel Universe. Nice. Uh, I may make more. I don't know, uh, but those were the ones I I was already working on, and I was pretty psyched to finally finish them. Well, I'm sure they're... More on that later. Yeah, I'm sure people will clamor for those. Yep. (laughs) So once we get through this room with the films, uh, we enter a small room where we see a little office that Indy has set up. There's tons of things in this little office. Uh, A few things of note, though. Uh, The main thing that you see on the back wall is a map. Uh, which is it's kind of meant to be a helpful guide both to Indy and anybody who's following him. Uh, it even points out spots where you're supposed to close your eyes. So, you know, it's <laughs> like pay, pay attention yeah. because, you know, you don't want to be that guy who ruins it for everybody else. <laughs> Another cool thing, this is cool for um, Hidden Mickey fans. On the desk, you'll see poking out under something is a 1930s issue of Life magazine, which features both Mickey and Minnie on the cover, uh, Mm -hmm. which is cool. And then, of course, additionally, and and Mel hinted at this um, last week, uh, there are crates in this area. And one of the crates is addressed to Club Obi-Wan, which, of course, is a reference to the uh, nightclub in Shanghai at the beginning of Indiana Jones and the Temple mm-hmm. of Doom, which of course is a nod to Jedi <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi from Star Wars, which then many years later, Galaxy's Edge bounced back towards Indiana Jones by including the Ark of the Covenant right? in that shop <laughs> that I can never remember mm-hmm. the name of in Star Wars land. We're full circle, people. We're full circle here. It's just basically a, a George Lucas love fest bouncing back and forth. It's called corporate synergy. Yeah, it's beautiful. I love it. <laughs> it's so cool. So after this, a few more twists, a ramp, two flights of stairs, bring guests to a loading area of the attraction in the heart of the Temple of the Forbidden Eye. The rest of the adventure is experienced on troop transport vehicles, which were a groundbreaking new ride vehicle system called Enhanced Motion Vehicles, or EMVs. So these intelligent cars uh, allowed for randomization of movement, sounds, and surrounding effects for an unpredictable experience every time. So we've kind of gotten used to rides with variety, you know, like Guardians of the mm-hmm. Galaxy or uh, even Star Tours now with the, the different scenes that they can show, things like that. Uh, this is on a different level, though, and it, and it's on a subtle level. And it's the reason why you can ride and you never quite know exactly which way the car is going to shimmy and shake and dip and dive and do it all its maneuvers. So according to my research, the vehicles can come up with 160,000 variations each time you ride. So 
that's crazy. why it just seems like so you know every other ride like you kind of just intuitively like know like even on guardians of the galaxy after a while based on the song mm-hmm. you kind of know what the rhythm is going to be right, right? With Indy, you don't. Like, you know, like, where the path is going, but how the car is reacting. And for those of you that have ridden this ride, you know what we're talking about. You know, this car responds and moves and jerks and does all kinds of things, you know, in response to what's going on around it. And uh, it, it just enhances your own response to all these things. But it's it's unpredictable. It really is. So... Uh, these vehicles were specifically designed for this attraction and this ride system has actually only been implemented uh, besides its sister attraction in, in Tokyo. It's only been implemented in one other attraction, which was Dinosaur in Animal Kingdom, mm-hmm. which, yeah. um, as I've been told, it's basically that is basically the same track and everything. They just put dinosaurs in Can instead confirm. of Indiana Jones stuff. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Very cool. slow moving, but yes. <laughs> Interestingly enough, the ride vehicles, which seem really wild and crazy right now, originally were even more wild and crazy, and they initially caused a lot of minor injuries to guests. So they had to kind of go in and dial it back and add some more safety programming into it so that the jerks weren't so uh, rough, basically. So the ride itself is three and a half minutes long. Uh, even though it seems like uh, forever, you know, ha- half your life. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, it goes along a 2,500 foot track and it tops out at 13 miles per hour, which is pretty fast when you're going around some of those tight turns. Uh, it, it, it seems much faster than that, like many attractions. So what you come to first is what's known as the Chamber of Destiny. And this is one of the things that I, I hope they also kind of Yes. Reinvigorate with their refurbishments. So um, you get in your vehicle. And the idea here, for those of you that don't know, is that you're in this temple and there's this idol of Mara, the deity uh, that this temple was built to. And you're not allowed to look at Mara. Like it's against this religious whatever it is. (laughs) You can't look at Mara. And so uh, the chamber it has a series of mirrors and you can look at the mirrors and you can see the reflection of the three doorways that you can choose to go through. And uh, each doorway gives you a different uh, gift from Mara if you succeed. One is earthly riches, one is eternal youth, and one is visions of the future. Now, uh, when you pull forward, the mirrors used to be swung out in front of you so you could see the reflection and then they would swing out of your way And you would turn around the corner and then you'd be looking at the doors. Uh, Well, that functionality died years ago, so they haven't done that. The next piece was you would turn around the corner and face the three doors and the entire room used to rotate so that it would look like you were lined up with a different door every time. Now they've they've um, deactivated that function and you only ever go through the center door even though the choice you appear to be making is different every mm-hmm. time so I, I hope they can reinvigorate that because I thought that was a really neat practical it effect was. where you turned the corner and it looked like you made a less or more sharp turn but you really didn't mm-hmm. it was just the room that moved which was genius yeah. um, which is similar the to platform. the final effect in the attraction which we'll talk about at the end Maybe the platform that rotates that part of the attraction was taking too much stress. 
It might be. And they just decided to not use it and convert it to what we have now. Yeah. Well, what they've done since um, helps get beyond it because they added the projection mapping and where they animate the door and then what's beyond. So, you know, it's not as big of a loss. But until they did that, it kind of was like, well, we're going through the same boring door every time, you know. Um, But that brings us to the Hall of Promise, which you go through the door and you're suddenly looking up a ramp at this giant golden face of Mara. And I say you're looking at it, but you really shouldn't be. You should be just facing it with your eyes closed. (laughs) Um, But as we all know, fail every time. We're all just staring right into the eyes of Mara. Um, Not only am I staring, I'm trying to take pictures. <laughs> right? Video. Yeah, yeah. Hazen's just going, he's getting all of us in trouble. <laughs> this room is really cool, though, because what they've done is they've added all these effects so that based on which choice you make, it seems like it's an entirely different room. You know, one of them with the riches has all these cool murals going up the sides with gold and everything in them. Uh, the one with eternal youth um, has like... Um, these cool colors and like uh, water effects. Mm -hmm. And then the visions of the future, which I remember is Mario's favorite thing ever uh, is like this cool purple light, like galaxy kind of effect, which I think is awesome. It's definitely Charlie's favorite. And then they have this projection mapping on Mara, which is just awesome. So basically you go in Everyone's looking, so curses upon us. We're not getting any of our prizes. We're getting death, doom, and destruction. So, <laughs> can, can I share kind of something embarrassing about that yeah, area? Yeah. So it took me years of riding that attraction before realizing that there wasn't just a stone carving of Mara's head, but that there was also hands <laughs> underneath. Mm-hmm the carving yeah like i never noticed the hands until one day <laughs> i got home and i started editing a photo that i ended up posting on my instagram where i saw the hands i was like wait a second how long have those been there and then apparently they were there for like ever. that's hilarious uh so from there we are flung around a corner and we are facing the gates of doom and we see our hero for the first time which is indy And I don't know if you knew that. It's Indiana Jones, of course. Uh, And he's holding back this giant stone gateway, which seems to be bursting forth with green energy of some sort. Uh, This is another area that has some lost functionality, um, but it's got these really cool lightning effects that are going up and down the walls, which are one of my favorites. It's really awesome. Um, But according to my research, the effect that we're supposed to have in this room is it's supposed to be basically filled with fog. Yeah. And as we go up the incline there, it's supposed to be as if we're lifted off the ground and we're floating towards these gates, yeah. right? It always seemed to be a little too rough for that illusion to me. Mm. Um, so I, I'm not really sure. But you kind of careen past Indy. He's saying, go that way. I, it, the dialogue's really hard to hear. Uh, he said, you idiots, you ruined everything. Go that way. <laughs> and so you turn around the corner. Yeah, it sounds like him. And there's this classic like Disney reveal shot, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, where you come around the corner and it's like, oh. Yeah. Oh, oh. 
and it's that music and you see the the lava down below and the fire and the huge 45 foot face of Mara with the suspension bridge in front of it and it's epic and if you time it right you see a jeep going across that bridge and it's amazing mm-hmm. um, but you can't go straight you got to go a different direction because it's basically a cliff so the jeep careens to the left and you fly through a catacomb full of mummies and skeletons and it's like it's probably my favorite scene in the whole ride i just love it because you're whipping through there and the skeletons are flying out at you and it reminds me of raiders of the lost ark when they're in the well of the souls and and marion's just freaking out i love it but there's a cool easter egg in here another one which i've never seen before because you're flying through here at the speed of light it sounds it feels like even though it's 13 miles an hour (laughs) Uh, and it's that there is a skeleton with a set of Mickey yes. ears on, which I never knew about. And apparently it's even embroidered with the name Bones, mm-hmm. which I think is awesome. So I will be keeping an eye out for that once I get back to the park. From there, we go to another corridor, which is, to me, a very strong reference to Temple of Doom, where it's basically dark and so your Jeep turns on the headlights and the walls are just covered in bugs. And, you know, you can hear them like crackling under your tires and it's super gross. And basically you just want to get out of there right away. So you do. And you head towards the scary rope or suspension bridge over the lake of lava. And again, this is another effect um, that if timed right is really cool. And so it's supposed to be that the there's a car on the other side of you that's coming at you and swerves out of the way. And at the same time, your bridge begins buckling under the weight of your vehicle and you, you know, skid off of it really quickly into the next room. When it's timed right, that all is awesome uh, based on how crowded it is that day. May or not be the perfect timing, but. It's, it's awesome to be in the center of that room, though, because you can look down, you can look side to side, up, down, everywhere you look, fully themed. Mm-hmm. And it is so impressive. So then we get to Hazen's favorite room. Uh, it's basically a room filled with um, snake carvings, snake oh, paintings, yeah. <laughs> and, totally. oh, hey, a giant snake. <laughs> yeah, my favorite of all time. And yes. I think I've mentioned it on the show before, like, the giant snake is the only thing I kind of have a problem with because it seems a little outlandish, even for the world of, you know, mythology coming true. That is Raiders of the Lost Ark, mm-hmm. right? Like, like a giant real thing doesn't seem to fit to me, you know, like, I don't yeah. know. I wish it was more of like if they made like one of the stone snake pillars look like it was coming to life or maybe even just falling. Right. I don't know. Like less just, cartoony. That's the, yeah, that's the <laughs> one thing yeah. that, I mean, it's yeah. a cool snake. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. I, I dig it, but it, it, it reads a little more like Jafar as a snake than, yeah. you know, something from Indiana Jones. But next we kind of careen down a hill and we go behind the face of Mara, getting really close to that lake of lava uh, we see a really dark chamber where there's, it looks like there's some ritualistic things going on. Um, lots of fire candles. And uh, we see uh, an apparition, which is, I've seen described as a demon. I've seen described as the ghost of Mara. I don't know what it is. It's just scary as heck. 
and the whole room is filled with skulls, like piles of skulls, and they're all along the walls. And cool thing about that is there is exactly 1,995 skulls nice. denoting the year that the attraction opened. I did not know that. That is cool. Yeah. I didn't know that either. Nice. I learned that one today. <laughs> <laughs> That's super cool. Yeah, I thought that was awesome. Uh, and of course, from there, uh, we jet across a small bridge and into the empty room, which is basically just a corridor of darkness. Yep. And, um, you know, my understanding here is that they kind of just ran out of budget and they couldn't fill this one little section. So they just decided to keep it dark, which kind of works. At, you know, as you come out of that, all of that, you know, stimulus from going through the, the whole room and all those other things, it's kind of nice almost to go into just a dark cave and just kind of be afraid because you can't see anything for a minute. However, I do hope that maybe they will be treating us for the 25th anniversary with maybe a new element, a new show element. Yeah, I think that would be awesome. Same here. Uh, and of course, that is followed by probably the least effective effect that they have in the attraction, which is the projection of a like a fallen over tree with uh, rats running across it that's being projected on a, a, sc- um, a screen of fog, basically. But because of the ever blasting air conditioning systems that are in it and the natural wind created by the previous ride vehicles. There's never really a clean, you know, sheet of fog to project yeah. on. And yeah, a lot of times there's not even enough fog there to see what it is at all. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of like, to me, like that's the one spot that's like, eh, let's just, you could turn that off. It'd be fine. <laughs> uh, so maybe they'll come up with something a little different for that area. Um, in that whole section there. I have an idea for that spot actually. Oh, cool. Lay it on me. Okay. So here's what's mm-hmm. happening, right? Mm-hmm. So there's potential that at animal kingdom, we're going to lose a segment of the tree of life as part of the expansion happening in that area, right? Ooh. And one of the trunks looks like a crocodile. <gasps> Joe nice. Rody actually posted this uh, a photo of that recently on his Instagram. Mm-hmm. I think they should take that entire section of the tree, which already looks like a carving, yeah. and actually just put it inside of the Indiana Jones attraction to make it look like a swampy area. That could work. And then just make it all like just instead of a fake projection tree, make it part of that. Yeah. No, that could yeah. work because you got the whole crocodile scene in Temple of Doom at the at the climactic yeah. ending scene. See? So crocodiles play, man. That's I love it. I like the way you think. Uh, but once you get under that terrible projection log, <laughs> you get to my second favorite scene, which is the corridor uh, where you're flanked with s- stone carvings of skeletal warriors wielding spears and shields. And this is an homage to the very first scene of Raiders of the Lost Ark, where we have um, triggers on the floor, mm-hmm. which activate blow darts coming out of the wall at you. And it creates this crossfire scenario. So you're zipping through and if you look around, if, especially if you're in the back row and you just watch everybody, <laughs> yeah. everybody's into it at this point, right? <laughs> everybody's like ducking their heads, dodging back and forth because they feel the, the 
blasts of air going by and it, it just it gets everybody into it you know and i love that it, it to me everybody at that point has bought in and you know it doesn't matter who you are by that point in the ride you're you've bought in it's it's you know you're living mm-hmm. it and of course you come around the corner and w- we see our hero hanging from a rope from the ceiling and uh we then are confronted with another icon of the franchise, which is the giant round stone boulder coming down a channel towards you to not only seal the exit of the temple, but to crush you in the process. And this uh, scene incorporates another insane effect, which is very simple, very practical, but you are fully convinced that when your Jeep sees this stone that you back away in fear. But those vehicles are designed to not go backwards at all. If they go backwards, the ride shuts Mm -hmm. down because it's a safety feature. So they literally move the entire room forward to simulate your car backing up. It's really fascinating. Next time you're on the attraction, just turn backwards during yeah. the scene and watch your car do nothing. <laughs> it's really weird, but that's what's happening. And then in an insane move, your Jeep just takes off right at the stone and the floor gives way and you dive down a little embankment and you hear the stone crash behind you. You come around the corner and there we see Indy who's crashed down to the floor that you're on now with the stone and he's basically shaking his head at you because <laughs> you you bunch of tourists just ruined the whole thing for him. Uh, but that is your, your safe return to uh, the disembark point. And at that point, you make the half mile trek back out to Adventureland. <laughs> Uh, which is epic as well. Uh, there's more petroglyphs that you can, um, you know, translate on your way out. But um, and then on on the very end of your walk, there is one last uh, Easter egg that I'll point out, uh, and that is uh, you're gonna pass a little minecart uh, um, right when you get outside the temple, and that is another film prop used in Temple of Doom uh, from that epic mine car chase scene. Um, So it's really cool to have actual touchstones from the films in this attraction, all of which is themed from top to bottom Mm -hmm. in an incredible way. You know, I think it, it, to me, it was the most fully themed attraction they created and wasn't really touched at the Disneyland Resort until you know, they got to like Cars Land where like that whole land was themed on, on a similar level. Um, to me, this attraction stands the test of time. You know, I mentioned a couple things that I hope they fix, but even like setting those aside, this attraction is impressive, mm-hmm. entertaining and blows me away every yep. time. I never get sick of it to the point of, you know, much to Hazen's chagrin when Charlie and I went to the 50th anniversary Mm -hmm. Haunted Mansion party. We Mm -hmm. rode Indiana Jones six times in a row because Mm -hmm. it was a walk-on. You guys can see the pieces. You missed missed the New Orleans processional because you just went to go right Indy. I know. We did. We we played it wrong. But, you know, we know what we love. And Indiana Jones is something that we definitely love. It is always going to be in my, you know, 
top three or four favorite attractions because it's just so entertaining and it does such a great job of honoring the franchise Mm -hmm. out of which it was inspired. And I kind of consider it, you know, as much a part of the franchise as anything, you know, it, it is a part of that storytelling and it's just fantastic. So I have been very long-winded. I could go on and on and on, and I'm sure Melissa could too, but um, that is the story of Indiana Jones Adventure. That's fantastic. Yeah, I love it, man. That The effect of where it looks like the car is going backwards, mm-hmm. I remember when I first found out that that's how they pulled off that effect – I like I immediately wanted to go back to the park to actually see it happen. Yep. I, I it blew me away <laughs> that it was something so mm-hmm. simple and with just tilting the car back and forth the way that they do in the simulators for Star Tours and other attractions that they gave you the sensation of going backwards mm-hmm. in that car. Yeah. Just the rumbling, the wind hitting you and it just it's so well executed. Yeah. Right? It's it's it, done it right. doesn't get enough credit. If anything, should get an award on that attraction. It is that uh-huh. effect. Yeah, it really should. You know, it, it's interesting, too. Um, it's such a mega attraction. And when we think of mega attractions with Disney, we think audio animatronics. But there's only four animatronics. There's three different indies that you see and the snake. Mm-hmm. And that's it. There's not a lot mm-hmm. of characters or like other animatronic figures in I don't know, dude. I consider the car almost a character though. I mean, that's fair. That's an interesting perspective. Yeah, if you think about how the car reacts to certain situations, like there's no way that it could give you the sensation of pulling back and off to the side like trying to dodge these darts and these animals that are crossing your path. Mm-hmm. It it almost feels like Benny yeah. from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Uh, yeah. No, that's that's very, very fair it, because it is providing a lot of your reactions for you or enhancing a lot of your reactions. You know, yeah. it, it's flinching away from things as it goes and, you know, backing up from a stone boulder. Uh, I agree. I, I think it's it's uh, OK. So it's got five animatronic characters. Then. Yeah. <laughs> that exit. The moment you exit and you're into like Adventureland, just seeing the mm-hmm. Jungle Cruise, all of that yeah. is like, that's probably one of the best exits. And yes, I may be biased, but it's one of the best exits going back into a land because um, mm-hmm. you're just stepping right back into the jungle. I totally agree. And the cool continuity of the fact that the scene that you can see in the Jungle Cruise is the India scene. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's yeah. perfect theming, man. The the juxtaposition of those two things is just seamless. I, I agree. It's like Adventureland. I, I think we talked about this during our Adventureland episode that I feel like it is the most thoroughly, completely, cohesively themed land mm-hmm. in Disneyland. You know, besides yeah. Cars Land at Disneyland, like to me, it. Uh, it, it even beats New Orleans Square because I think there are a couple of spots here and there that I would maybe change in New Orleans Square. But Adventureland is thoroughly and perfectly themed. Right. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, it does help that it doesn't have a very large footprint. Sure. And they don't have to 
to build outside of that, you know, right. but because once you get to the end where the bridge is for pirates and the Tarzan treehouse and stuff, it does break a little bit mm-hmm. away from all of that theming, but yeah. you're right. I mean, in general, every other turn that you take, it's all Adventureland all the time. Yeah. You know, up until that short bend that you have to, you know, turn over from Tarzan's treehouse, all Adventureland. And it is just fantastic. Yeah. It's so well done. One interesting thing that I found in my research, uh-huh. uh, do you remember when we were doing armchair Imagineering for Adventureland yeah. and we basically all went indie crazy? <laughs> uh and my idea was a restaurant called Junior's, mm-hmm. and it was going to be back behind the Jungle Cruise, kind of next to the show building for the attraction. But I was going to ferry guests back there on a special Jungle Cruise boat. Remember that? And then you're going to have mm-hmm. to take like a little jungle trek and, and get there. I found out that the original concept for once they, they figured out where the attraction was going to sit and how the queue was going to be, they they were worried about the length of the queue and they were originally going to use the Jungle Cruise boats to ferry people halfway back there and then stick them in a queue back behind the Jungle Cruise, which I, oh, interesting. I was like, holy cow, wow. I can't believe they were actually considering that. That's awesome. That's cool. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. But now it works out perfectly because if you have Adventure Sync turned on for Pokemon Go, you can hatch all sorts <laughs> mm-hmm. of eggs going through that queue a couple times. Oh, my gosh. How did this get back to Pokemon Go? <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so for the longest, I thought Solo was voiced by um, John Rice uh, Davies. No, I actually got to meet Bob Joles, the voice oh, behind. Oh, in the, in the films that are in the film room? It's not his it's voice? It's not his voice. No. Oh, and I learned this like a few years ago. Um, and they had this little um, indie panel and he was in it. Mm-hmm. And I remember just I was like, I have to go meet this guy. Sweet, dude. Totally sweet. That's odd. Well, his voice has a That's lot of personality. Awesome. Yeah. So I, I can imagine it would be easy to mimic. Uh, Harrison Ford is a little harder. Right which is apparent by, what is his name? David Temple does the voice for Indiana Jones in the attraction. Um, it's close. You know, I wouldn't say it's spot on, but it's close. Um, I I read that Harrison, you know, decided not to be the voice of the character in the attraction. I, I never found why, but I just saw that he declined to do that. That would be another cool treat is if he, they just re-record the dialogue with him. Yeah, just to hear it. That, that would be cool. I think Harrison Ford is in a different place where he used to be. I don't know. He's been saying, he still says to this day that if they come up with a good script, he wants to do Indy 5. I think it was Chris Hardwick was talking about it to one of his guests on, on the id 10 podcast where they were talking about Harrison Ford and they were talking about how he tried to interview him or he tried to like bring him in or something like that. And he felt like a totally different person that after his accident, he felt like he was more engaged with fans mm. because he felt that it was actually, you know, good for him you know, to do something like that. So maybe before, like he wouldn't have done it because just out of principle, like he didn't want to be indie again. Yeah. But now he's like, oh, I've been Indiana Jones. I've been Han Solo. And maybe now he's like, yeah, let's totally do it. And maybe now he'd voice it. Who knows? Yeah, that would be awesome. I would love that. Yeah. 
All right. Well, that was a fantastic way to wrap up the talks about Indiana Jones for the 25th anniversary. Thank you both for everything that you put together these last couple of weeks. I hope that everybody listening enjoyed that. We do have a special treat for the FGP squad. We talked about a giveaway for all of you. And if you haven't had the opportunity to go on Patreon to check this out, we are giving away the 25th anniversary Funko of Indiana Jones that was exclusive to the parks. This is only available to the FGP squad. Thank you, Melissa, for going to the parks to pick up this Funko for us. Uh, If you don't know what the FGP squad is, they are a wonderful group of folks that help us out with a monthly contribution via Patreon. And it's that contribution that helped make these episodes of Podcateers possible. If you want a little more information on how you can become part of the FGP squad, you can head over to podcateers.com slash FGP for more information on how you can sign up. You can see a list of some of the FGP squad members there as well. And of course, as always, to the members of the FGP squad, we just want to send a huge thank you for all of your support. And this giveaway is exclusive to all of you as a thank you from us as well. So head over to Patreon. It's open to all of you. You don't have to enter. We're just going to choose a name at random. And we'll contact you as soon as we have a winner so we can figure out how to get this to you. Uh, Hopefully the mail keeps working. I keep ordering stuff from Amazon right now and it keeps showing up. So all good, I guess, with the mail. (laughs) Yeah, so it's far. supposed to yeah. keep going. So. Yeah. Okay, so that is going to wrap it up for this week. Uh, before we, we check out for the day, uh, I just want to remind you, you know, it's crazy right now. If there's a little bit of Disney magic that you can spread in any way, obviously, you know, try to do that. Uh, remember that we are all dealing with this together. Try to be as kind to others as you can. It's just an insane situation. But again, we have to try to stay as calm as possible. We have to be as vigilant as possible. We have to try not to panic because panic is essentially what breaks down uh, society. So let's try not to reach that point. Let's keep spreading this Disney magic like, like people were doing with the homemade Disney hashtag and all that stuff. Those were fantastic. So that's going to wrap it up. Until next time, keep dreaming, keep moving forward, and always remember to pass on the magic. Have a fantastic week, everyone. Bye. Major look.